Welcome to another episode of Campfire Coders. I'm your host, Austin Cameron. And I'm Jesse Leap. And here we are to talk about some keyboards and, um, you know, some other dev mishaps, bugs, mistakes. You never know. So, uh, Jesse, I never asked you how your day is going today. Oh, it's going pretty good. How about yeah. yours? Solid day here. Did some work. Just got out of a drum lesson. Do you think... Do I do I have an accent when I say about? Yes. To you? Like you're north you're northern states. <laughs> well, <so>. but <laughs> I mean, you're like you're east and I'm west a little bit here. Yeah, that's true. Montana to wherever you are, eastern Canada, but not yeah. that eastern. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we're supposed to say that, but here we are. Um yeah, so southern Ontario. Yeah. Okay. We're 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 pretty close. I don't know ish yeah probably like a 20 hour drive i think i think like latitude wise we might be pretty equal like i'm i'm like i drove east into upstate new york a couple years back yeah to meet jack so i mean to get to drive to you would probably be pretty much west yeah yeah just to hop in a skip over a great lake or two yeah I'll see you <laughs> for coffee and you know yeah if you can fly over the dakotas that's probably fine too sorry people mm. In the Dakotas, oh, yeah. it's it's actually a wonderful place. I've been, but <laughs> <laughs> here we are, one minute into the episode, and we're <laughs> talking crap about R- yeah. ripping on people. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, Jesse and I figured out some of our for the listener out there. We figured out some of audio stuff before this podcast between or before this episode since the last one. Um, do we need to talk about any, I don't think we need to talk about any podcast kind of under the hood stuff at this point. We decided. No. Yeah. I mean, my, my audio was kind of crap last time because I had my input way down. So I think we figured that one out. Yeah. And we figured out that we're definitely not going to self-host it. Um, so Transistor is going to have a new customer here shortly, probably today. Mm Mm-hmm. And then that's that's that. So uh, on the at the end of the last one, I think I promised the that there would be some info about keyboards um, <laughs> for those of you who aren't in this world. There's a whole subculture out there of mechanical keyboard builders and enthusiasts, and maybe you've heard them at the coffee shop loudly clacking away on their typewriter sounding keyboard, or I, I don't know, maybe you know all about this, but uh, Jesse and I ha- both have gotten into building keyboards and uh, we nerd out on it all the time. And why don't, why don't you mm-hmm. speak to this, Jesse, because you're, you're in the process currently of uh, ordering some shiny new parts, I think. Some shiny parts. Yeah. Uh, I think, well, you, you got into it before I did. Uh, you built your Iris Kibio, yep. is yep. it? And um, I think I, I think I called on you. I was like, "Can I pick your brain? And ask some questions." Um, <laughs> ended up get I ended up getting a kit. I didn't get the iris myself. I got a Lily, which was it's a very similar keyboard to Austin's. Um, so uh, both of ours, our keyboards are ortholinear. Uh, so if we want to get real nerdy quick, uh, we do. You know, if you look at a normal keyboard, yeah. <laughs> if you don't like nerdy, it shouldn't be here. Um, if you look at a normal keyboard, everything is sort of angled. Um, and the, the way the columns are angled are to prevent your typewriter levers from getting all jammed up. 
And of course, we're not on typewriters anymore. So um, if you look at an ortholinear keyboard, uh, all the columns are straightened. And then you have you can have different types of stagger and different keyboard layouts. And there's a lot of nerdy things you can get into, but what? Um, the, the keyboards that we're both rocking right now are the Iris and the Lily are split ortholinear keyboards. You've got two halves on your left and your right. And um, the columns are just vertically straight up and down to kind of move with your fingers. And, so. and to add to that, uh, I would like to say that they're, I believe, both 60% boards, roughly. So that means 60% of the keys of a normal, like, roughly 120 key keyboard. That's, I think, including the numpad. Right. But so mine only has, I think, like 54 keys. I counted them sometime. So you got to, mm. you know, get creative with your key map. And we can, yeah, I'm not sure if anyone's interested in that. I wrote about it a long time yeah, ago. Yeah. Well, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, we don't really have to get into the specifics of the key map here anyway, but um, I think the one thing that probably scares people off when they first start looking into these, you know, custom smaller keyboard layouts is that they have to adopt another layer. Like, oh no, layers, what do I have to, what does that mean? Like I have to relearn everything, but you already use a shift layer. Right. Um, when you, when you, when you hold shift down, all of your keys become something else. So, you know, your lowercase letters become an uppercase and your number row becomes a set of symbols. So your four key is a dollar sign. So you're already using the shift layer, uh, and when you use a smaller, like forty percent or sixty percent keyboard, you're just a, you just you can opt into uh, another layer. We often call them like lower layer and raise layer. You have like one on your left hand, one on your left thumb, and one on your right thumb or whatever. Uh, and you hold that key down, and you have a whole new keyboard to uh, to map whatever you want wherever you want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so I got into this whole world. Because for years I was working on, uh, you know, just on this constant quest for office ergonomics in terms of, you know, mm. my keyboard. The, I've been a, you know, a, an office chair person. Uh, Jesse, I'm going to call you out here. It looks like you may need a new chair. The arms are pretty worn out looking. I saw <laughs> when you went to grab coffee a minute ago. So, uh, but yeah, it's yeah. comfortable. I don't. I Maybe don't wanna... you don't need a new one. It's just well used. I see. Well, maybe we can have an office chair episode and you can oh, educate oh, me. Well, the, you know, what it comes down to is you, you can have bad posture in a really good chair. So it doesn't matter if you have bad posture. <laughs> so, um, but I, I got into the keyboard thing as a, because I, for, I got into split keyboards years and years ago. Um, like the weird kind of, you know, Microsoft ergonomic business split keyboard or whatever it was, but none of them worked super well on Macs. And so mm. I'm always remapping the Windows key to Macs, and it just never felt as good as my MacBook keyboard in terms of where the key mappings were for like those modifier keys. And so when I got into mechanical keyboards, I realized, well, I can I can write my entire key map for efficiency or try to rather. And that was a really empowering feeling for me um, because mm -hmm. although it took me a good two weeks to get it all sorted out and, and really years, mm -hmm. I still add to it occasionally. You yeah, still tinker, yeah. But I mean, as a, as a Vim user, I'm sure you can appreciate the, the arrow keys being, naturally just on the vim bindings with like holding your thumb down mm -hmm. i love that like i mm -hmm. that's probably my favorite thing <laughs> just i mean yeah to anybody who's not using vim out there maybe you all already know yeah. this but 
um, our arrows would be HJKL. Um, and if you don't have a fancy keyboard, um, you know, it's common for people to on Mac anyway to grab carabiner elements. Yep. Um, and you can remap, you know, your caps lock key to an escape, or you can map HJKL, uh, which are those keys on your home row to your arrow keys. So it feels like Vim, if that's what you're used to. And then you have arrow keys, like, you know, let's say you hold down a key to get those arrows everywhere. You can do that with carabiner elements, but yeah, like you're saying, Austin, it's sort of, you know, you're, you're still, there's still limitations, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, well, the arrow keys and like the caps lock escape thing were new to me when I built this keyboard and I saw other people do similar things in their key maps when I was researching what to even do with all these layers. And then now it's like the first thing I install on a new laptop. Like, you right. know, with carabiner elements, like you were saying. So I've used the software to kind of bring some of these, you know, because in the mechanical keyboard world, for listeners out there who may not know, you you flash the actual keyboard hardware with your key map. And you can control every part of that code. And usually it's like C code or something like that. I don't know. There's probably, probably all sorts of different ones and that you can use. I'm not sure. Yours is QMK, right, Jesse? Still? Yeah. I mean, I did, when I first got my keyboard, uh, I forget what the tool was called, but there's a, like a GUI, like a graphical program. So if you don't want to dig into programming your own right. firmware, you can still, you know, you can still basically remap keys like visually um, and then flash the board so that you're, and the cool thing about that firmware, like you say, is that you carry it around with you, right? Like if you go and plug it into another computer or you switch from Mac to Windows or whatever it is, it's not like you have to install that carabiner app it's it's in your keyboard yeah. firmware yeah so yeah but I, I i did i started with that that gui thing and then i quickly uh just because i'm i get nerdy about it i wanted to dig in and you know there's there's a couple cool things you can do like tap dance modes and different things like that where you could like for example um i haven't quite done this but some people do like a, a, if you if you if you remap your caps key, you lose caps caps lock functionality. But then maybe you want that back, so you could say, well, what if I triple tap the shift key? If I triple tap it, it'll enable caps. And if I triple tap it again, oh. it'll caps locks. When you're writing angry emails, so, is that when you need it? Yeah, <laughs> just for angry emails. Yeah, just for angry emails and PHP constants. But who writes PHP? Oh right? yeah, so. it's dead. Um, so <laughs> it's dead. well, so what's crazy here is that you were just saying earlier, you know, yeah. I got into building keyboards first and you were picking my brain about it, but I think you've far surpassed me in the, at least the research you've done into keyboards now. Um, I, I built a second Iris mainly cause I got a free set of switches from my friend who was building one and he, he bought like a switch pack for 120 key keyboard. And he's like, well, I have all these switches and I only ever want to build this one keyboard. And I'm like, well, are you sure? <laughs> so he, he gave it to me. <laughs> I like this iris a lot better because it has tactile switches, but and I got the stainless steel plates, so it just feels heavier and it doesn't like move around on my desk at all. Um, I really mm. like that. I used to have like a glass top on this desk, and the keyboards would like slide around even if I put rubber feet on them. And right, I, I don't have that right. problem anymore because I broke the glass. That's a <laughs> I was like clamping a microphone thing to it and it shattered. Angry no, at your code? No. Smash. <laughs> no, we don't get angry. Not at PHP. 
PHP is good. So, um, <laughs> so tell. And, and yeah, and you, you say I've surpassed you, but I mean, you're doing some really cool stuff with artisan keycap molds. And I don't know if you want to get into any of that, but um, I don't know. I've been getting more into the custom build world. Like, you know, you find an open source build and I'm not designing the circuits myself yet or anything, but, um, and then, you know, you've been kind of more on the cosmetic side, like, Hey, check out these cool artisan resin pores that I've been casting or whatever. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty close. I mean, I kind of cheat and 3d print all the little sculptures because doing sculptures that fit inside a keycap is very difficult. It turns out. And I have yeah. a, a 3d printer that can print high resolution. So it, yeah. That's, yeah, that's like a, you know, on on again, off again hobby at this point, but it's it's been a lot of fun. And one day I'm going to send you a bunch of keycaps for your keyboard and you can. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's. But in terms of the the key map, like for me, my journey was honestly like I got the got the keyboard built, got the keyboard and the key map to where it was working. And I kind of just stopped in terms of like the actual, the rest of it. Um, yeah. Until recently when you've been talking about a new build. So you're going to, you're going to build one without a number row. And mm-hmm. you said, you're going to send me a couple <laughs> of PCBs and I'm going to try to build one. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, this is called the Nijuni. I, th- I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm assuming that's, I think that's Japanese. Um, but it's a, a if anybody is into this, uh, it's a corn variant. So corn is a really common split ortholinear keyboard that it has no number row. Um, so it's uh, either a, a three by five or a three by six split where you have uh, like three rows of letter keys and either five columns or six columns on each half. It's very minimal. Is, is yeah. the point? Um, so it's a forty. So you have to be right, a little it's a 40% more forty percent board. I I think it's probably. A, about that, yeah. Like the the build that I'm doing is a 42 key. Crazy. Um, so you've got three thumb keys, and then you've got a three by six grid on each side. Um, and yeah, I, I think the thing that's kind of gotten, I wouldn't say addicting because this is only my second build, but when I went to buy the keycaps, I bought these Lord of the Rings Elvish <laughs> keycaps off of drop.com. And I showed you a picture of those. And of course, then they release the Dwarven ones or the Dwarvish ones and Black Speech. And so I'm buying keycaps faster than I can build keyboards, but it's not like, okay, I've got these parts. Now I want to like build another keyboard and try another layout, try something different. Yeah. Because when you're, as soon as you leave the typical, uh, like the typical keyboard layout that you're used to on a laptop or whatever, it becomes custom. And then suddenly you sort of get interested in, well, what about this layout? Yeah, what, what, that layout? what, what could this, this one be like, feel yeah. like? And yeah. Yeah. In your first one, you do as much research as you can to try to figure out what would be the best layout for you and how many keys, you know, how minimal do you want to go or not go? Um, but then, you know, as you actually use one in practice, you're like, you know what? I don't really like this. I would rather if, you know, my thumb cluster was moved over a little bit, or I'd like to try a little bit more pinky stagger, you know, like the pinky column to be a little lower. Like you're, you're thinking about ergonomics and you're thinking about, you know, your hands and customizations and what you want out of a keyboard. And the cool thing about this custom build stuff is it's your keyboard. You do what you want with it. And there's all these cool open source uh, designs and builds out there that you don't even have to get into, you know, actually designing your own circuit boards. It's just a matter of finding the parts and, and, uh, 
the circuit board, you know, design, getting those printed. And yes, uh, that's probably the, the hardest. It's part. It's crazy so. how deep the rabbit hole goes here for the uninitiated. And, and even if you know <laughs> a little bit about this, I mean, you can go on Reddit and people, you will have like glass multi-shelf display cases with all their keyboards. And uh, I, yeah. I'm probably not going to be that person. I built two of the same one, so I'm not very adventurous here. But we were, mm-hmm. uh, my wife Jackie and I were at a at a dinner at some friend's house, and these friends are older. They're probably in like their early seventies, late sixties, early seventies. So one of them, like the their son, is living with them right now, and he's like a little younger than us, and. I mean, probably 10 years younger than us at this point, but he, I didn't know that he was like into keyboards at all. And he kind of had dinner with us and he, he and his girlfriend start whipping out these keyboards and they, I mean, they must have like a dozen custom builds between them and they're like crazy into it. They're like, look, all these artisans I bought. And I was like, well, what do you guys want in one? I'll try to make you one. Like, I don't, I can't guarantee the quality here, but I'll try. But they were like, t- they were talking to me and they're like, well, I, you know, use these crazy switches and then we lubed all of them. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> okay. I mean, like, I'm just imagining typing on these, but I definitely don't want to ask you to borrow one because I'm <laughs> like, they're really into it. You know, it was <laughs> like, you could tell they're like, this is their pride is these keyboards. I'm like, wow. So now I'm imagining you, Jesse, just having a glass case behind you instead of those guitars. <laughs> and no, I'm, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I'm like you, you know, I think when you first start playing guitar, you're like, uh, you know, you just want a guitar and you get your one guitar and you start playing with it. And after a couple of years, you know, you see your favorite guitarist or your, your favorite band playing this other guitar. Like, oh, I want one of those. <laughs> and then, you know, 10 years down the road, if you stick with it, you have 10 guitars and you're having to sell a few because you've went down that rabbit hole. And so with the keyboards, it's like, you know, I don't have any, I don't have need for 10 keyboards. That's silly. But then, you know, I, it's, it's the rabbit hole starts yep. where you, you go to buy keycaps and you're like, oh, but I like those keycaps and those yeah. keycaps. And so then you buy two or three sets um, or for me, or there's practical reasons too. So for example, like these keys, I don't know if you can hear this, but. Maybe a little bit. Wait, oh, um, they're pretty loud. Yeah, they're they're pretty loud. Um, they're not like the the really obnoxious clicky keys. Like you can get these like, um, not to bash people that have them, but these I think they're called like Kale Box Jades um, or Kyle Box Jades, and they have. Not only are they clicky, like they're meant to be clicky, but they they literally have like an extra click bar in them that is meant to make them even just more loud. Even more <laughs> okay. yeah. Those are not the ones that I want um, personally. Yeah. So, I mean, people talk, if you get into it, people talk about like Cherry MX is kind of the comp, the first big, I guess, brand that got big with keyboard switches. And so blues would be the the clicky. Um, and then reds would be like this really quiet linear switch. And then browns would be, you know, you get this tactile bump, but they're not so, aggra- they're not so loud. They're kind of like a, a softer tactile. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course the whole like, I don't know what you'd call it, but like the whole specialized boutique keyboard world. There's all these like premium switches. You can easily spend $4 a switch. if you. Yeah, really that's per to, key, you know? folks. So there's one switch per key. Yeah, per right? key. You get to choose your layout, but then you solder in all the switches. And then some people, I think, did you do this on yours? Yeah. You have hot sockets so you can pull the switches out. Yeah, hot, yeah, swap, hot swap. Thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like, here's my, you can't see this in the podcast, but I've, here's my key. I just popped out on my key. Yeah, the whole switch, right? So if you're like, well, I don't like how the home yeah. row feels and I want it to feel a little more smooth, you can just put different switches in it, which is, that's mine are all yeah. soldered or in. If, so they're hard coded, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, um, like Logitech is a decent brand, but I, my last, before I got into the custom stuff, I had a Logitech, I think it was called the Logitech G Pro gaming uh-huh. keyboard. And, you know, it was, uh, I forget, at the time it was like $140 Canadian, you know, what, like $100, $120 US uh, keyboard. And I had it for maybe three years or so. And then um, two two or three of my keys started failing on me, like all within like a couple months of each other. And um, the switches, yeah. they were, they're mechanical switches, but I'm a, I'm a software developer, so I'm using this all yep. the time. And um, same thing with Apple keyboards. Like people were, ha- Apple was having problems and having to, so quietly not wanting to admit the recall. They oh, the, yeah, the butterfly keys lawsuit <laughs> yeah. or whatever they had going on. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a whole that was a whole different thing. But I mean, we're we're harder on our keyboards than most people when you're on it all day long. Um, so the cool thing about the hot swap sockets is that you can easily replace one without even having to pull out a soldering iron. But also you can experiment and try different switches. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that on. Well, you. Jesse sent me a link the other night, and then I found myself ordering another set of keycaps. So we both have a problem, <laughs> it appears. But you just, you just reminded me a minute ago about a memory that I'm going to share with you and the listener out there. You were joking. You were joking about me sh- like smashing the glass on my desk, which is not what happened. I was just installing <laughs> a new microphone, like boom arm, and it. I kind of had it clamped too tight, and it you know cracked the glass. And yeah, it's. You, you just got really no, angry. I, no, I get it. No, but and I, <laughs> I generally pride myself on being able to keep my cool. But one time I did smash, like completely, like ar- over the head, smashed a keyboard, and it was a Logitech keyboard. <laughs> and you know, granted, I had been using this thing for years, like a long time. It was a they called it like a solar keyboard, so you, in theory, had never had to charge it, and like. I had my desk in front of the window at this time. So it was always at full charge, like the guaranteed. It wasn't a charging mm-hmm. problem. I kept, you know, it, and they made it for Macs. And I used this thing and it's very similar to like the Apple keyboard. And, you know, they're just very slim and wireless. And I, if it started and it just kept getting worse and worse, this thing would like, you'd start typing and then it would just pause and you you know you wouldn't realize it cuz you're like trying to type out some code or whatever and then it would catch up like 10 or 20 seconds later and then just oh, yeah, yeah. vomit like 100 characters onto the screen or whatever you know it was like it right. during the pause it would like multiply each of the characters you had typed by 5 or 10 i don't know what was going on some bluetooth stuff or something and finally one day i was like Really, I don't know. I was really focused on something. It had been doing this for months. I dealt with this for six months, probably. And it's that's not even just like a switch defect. That's like something with like a bad firmware design or something memory leak. Because like there's an onboard. Essentially, all these keyboards have like an onboard microcontroller. You know, like even your Logitech board. You know, if it's got RGB lighting in it or whatever. Yeah. There's 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 something there's something controlling all that, right? So you've you've got. like essentially a tiny little CPU, tiny little computer running your keyboard firmware, right? Um, So it's the same thing with uh, 
I don't know. When you when you say like it vomits out all those keys, it's almost like you know, it's it's like trying to process something, and then all this it's like storing up your, it's logging all your key presses, and all of a sudden it spits them all out. It seems like a, it's deeper than just a switch. Yeah. Issue. Oh, yeah. I tried everything. I like made sure my Bluetooth was updated. I mean, I had been trying to deal with this thing for six months or more. And finally, one day it did it, and I was just like right in the middle of something important, and I just Hulk smashed the thing right in the ground. And I said, I'm done with this thing. Mm. It's the last time that I deal with it. <laughs> and I, and mm. then I felt guilty, of course. I was like, I shouldn't have lost my cool on the keyboard, but it also felt good at the same time. So that's that's the story. <laughs> Fair. I don't want to be known as the angry keyboard yeah. smashing PHP guy, but maybe. No, you're, maybe you're, pretty, you're, pretty, you're a pretty chill dude. I don't know. Um, you're pretty chill. I've seen your streams too. You're pretty chill. Well, thank you. I mean, even though it feels like I'm not, because I just told a story about smashing that thing. But um, okay, I, I there was no agenda with the keyboard talk except for I gotta say I am personally worried. The Nijuni, that's the new one, right? That mm-hmm. I guess we're building. If you send me the PCB, I'm gonna build one. But I am nervous about not having a real number row. I don't think I'm going to be able to handle that, if we're being honest. Like, yeah, that's going to, I don't know. But I, did, I wasn't sure I could handle, you know, 50 keys with all the layers. And here we are years later. I, th- I don't know. Do you, are you comfortable on a number pad? Like typing out a phone number on uh, a number yeah, pad? Well, yes. So I'm a, I'm a 4K monitor, single monitor guy. And have been for mm-hmm. a long time now. And so I have like window snapping hotkeys. Like when I first built the Iris, mm-hmm. that was my other nervous thing. I was like, I need a numpad because I use like the corners of the numpad with some other modifier keys to, to snap windows to mm-hmm. like say the left half of the screen or the top left corner of the screen, quarter of the screen. Right. Uh, right. So I mean, yeah, I guess I... I have a numpad mapped on my right half, I guess, under a layer already, so it could work. You just don't, you just don't use it, I guess. Yeah, right? you still use yeah. the number. Yeah, yeah, but like, see, I, I, I knew that I'm. I, I got a little bit into my first build, which I have the number row on my Lily build, my Lily fifty eight mm-hmm. keyboard here, uh, which is very similar to yours. We both have the number row, and I, I chose that because I'm like, well, I, I don't know if this would work well for gaming, but uh, when you have a number row. Uh, you don't have to really be too creative with gaming. Like it'll work for yeah. most, you know, shooters or you know even strategy games and stuff. Like you, your your whole keyboard's pretty well there. Um, the control key is is moved down to a thumb key, um, but you can get creative about remapping some of that stuff. But um, but if I I specifically um, have seen people do these you know num ro- number row less builds yeah. like the corn where they have no no number row. And it just sparks your curiosity, like how could you do right. that? Right. That's a, I, um, and talking to yeah, talking to a friend as well. He just, he said the same thing. It was you know, oh, I just have a number pad under my right hand, and I love it. I couldn't go back to a number row just because I can more quickly type out a phone number, for example, than I can on the number row where I'm looking down and messing up and stuff like that. Um, so what I I did again because I have full control of my firmware is I I literally have blocked out my number row so that it it only works on my Windows. Uh, game. I, I have two layers. I have my Mac layer, and then when I'm in Windows, I have the Windows gaming layer. And that that layer pretty well. The only difference is it pretty well disables all of my number keys, or sorry, it enables all my number keys, so that when sure. I'm gaming, I have my yeah. numbers back. And then um, the other thing it does is it switches the like you know command control locations, so that copy and paste feel the same between the right. two. Right. Right. 
um, because it's that's kind of the one of the things that sucks when you use a normal keyboard is when you're trying to copy and paste between <laughs> yep. <laughs> command and control you to keep you kind of forget so um i don't know i've just gotten really used to like in daily use while i'm programming or typing out numbers uh i really like having that number pad under my right hand and i i was forced to do it because i i literally blocked off my number row. well so how long like, have you I, been like, running I, I without the number number row now uh i don't know 10 months maybe or something oh my goodness i thought it was like a two-week thing i didn't yeah you're crazy so no, that's been a while. <laughs> that's I, awesome. Yeah. So, but I, but again, they're there for when I'm gaming. So that's a th- so. Where are your symbols? Like a like you, the dollar sign, right? You're a PHP guy. You're typing that all the time. Where is it? Uh, so my like it's the same. I have that one. My lower layer when I hold my left thumb down. Yeah. Um, on my lower key, I have my number pad on the right, and then I have a few symbols around that because there's there's more keys there, and on the left side is all my other symbols. So I've got you know. Basically, all the symbols on my number row are on my. So left you've just gotten used to the keyboard. symbols not being on, say, four or with the shift. It's a different. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. See, I never went that. It, far. it might be. I never went that far. It might be weird to like explain over the podcast, but like numbers one to five, because numbers one to five are on the on your left yeah. hand. Those are literally just one key down. Um, okay. So when I when, when I need to hit a, a dollar sign, it's it's under the four. It's on the R key. Okay, I see. Um, but then, but then on the other side of the keyboard, you have six, seven, eight, uh, and then nine and zero are brackets, which we'll talk about in a second. But six, seven, eight are your like, you know, your asterisks, yep. right, and your carry yep. key. Uh, so, so those symbols I have on ASD. So they just wrap. Around. Oh, crazy! Okay, was that hard for you to get yeah, used to at I, first? Uh, it took. I think it took a couple of weeks to like for, for it to get to muscle memory. But I've been doing that for like a year now. So. Well, I. I gotta yeah. say, I mean, I was super worried about that. When I did my original key map, I was like, well, I want to make this feel familiar, but also kind of explore some new ideas. And so I mind mm-hmm. I felt like tried to be a blend of old familiarity. But you know what you know what you got me onto though? And I love this, is this the space cadet shift. I can never go back. Do you want to explain can, that? Yes. I think everyone it's should so do good. this. Developers out there, highly recommend trying this out. Download Carabiner Elements. Or better touch tool yeah. and do this. It's amazing. I oh, know yeah. it's going to sound crazy at first, but here, Jesse, you explain what this is. No, 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 no. You, you introduced me, so you uh, well, it. Okay, so this is the <laughs> Space Cadet Shift, and I have no idea why it's named that. Maybe because it's out there in outer space and kind of crazy. But so your shift keys, um, instead of there's this concept in the mechanical keyboard or in the custom firmware community. I think it's called a mod tap key. And so what that means is if you tap a key, it does one thing. But if you hold the key, it does another function. Um, So the Space Cadet Shift is if you tap, say, left shift, it's an opening parenthesis, like all the time, right? That's where the opening parenthesis is. Mm -hmm. And then if you hold it, it's just a normal shift key. Same with, or and and then conversely, the right side shift is the closing parenthesis. So... As developers, we are often, I mean, very often using parentheses as for writing code and calling functions and whatever. And I would be willing to bet that most of you out there are probably using the shift nine and shift zero to access your parentheses keys. And mm. I thought, well, for something we're using so commonly as developers, why? And, and then I discovered that the space cadet, sh- space cadet shift was a thing. Um 
I I cannot go back now. It's oh, dude, it's so it's good. so good. It because, is like the way that I think about it too. And I started using this idea with other things in my key map. What the way that I think about it is, yeah, your opening is on the left. It's like uh, as English speakers, we're reading and writing left to right, and so your opening parentheses mm-hmm. on the left and your right or your closing on the right, and and it's it's symmetrical. It's the same finger on both hands. It's not yeah. like uh, your pinky on your right is doing both the open and the closing bracket. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's symmetrical. And um, I don't know, this is kind of an aside to the space cadet shift. Um, but the, uh, I think when people start thinking about customization, customizations like this, they're like, well, but what about when I go to another keyboard? Right. They're like, you know, I don't want to have to, to, to like, I, like I've relearned this new thing and now I go to a, a normal dude, laptop keyboard and I'm lost. Dude, I meant, but let I me meant t- to ask you about this because you were worried about this. I remember you asking me about this. Yes. So yeah, go on. Yes. This, I'm so yeah, glad. So actually, that. yeah, that's, no, that's a good segue. Like I, this is one of the things I picked your mind about, about <laughs> when I knew you had the Iris and I was looking at buying my first, you know, custom ortholinear and I'm like, how hard is it to go back and forth from this ortholinear custom mapped mess? Yeah. <laughs> Something that becomes so customized and personalized to you back to a regular laptop keyboard. You don't want to feel helpless. And um, you just told me, you know, it's not too bad. I can, I can kind of go back and forth. And I asked a few people as well. And the consistent answer I just got from everybody was basically, don't worry about it. You have 25 years of muscle memory that your body isn't just going to forget like that. Yeah. And like when I hop on my wife's laptop, I miss this keyboard, but I, it's not that I can't type on it, you know? Um, if I think like, also like a language, a language, if you know, if you know a secondary language, like French or Italian or something, people will say, well, if you never use it, you'll forget it. Like I took French in grade school, but I don't really speak any French at all. Cause I don't use it. Um, whereas, you know, for someone who maybe, uh, they've moved over to America or Canada and English becomes their second language, but their primary language. And they don't really use, let's say, uh, German as much anymore. They feel like they've lost it, but all they have to do is go back home and start speaking it yeah. for a day. And it's like, it comes right back. Yeah. Uh, it comes back a lot faster than you think because they grew up with that. And it's the same with the keyboards. You know, you ha- you literally have built so many years of muscle memory with a regular QWERTY laptop keyboard layout, staggered the way it is. And t- to go back to that is not not too bad. So, well, I don't know. Do you agree? I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think even... I would like to make the point that even more so with physical motor skill, like muscle memory, like playing the drums Mm -hmm. or, you know, things like that. You don't, once you've developed the motor memory and it's stored, locked away, wherever that goes in the brain, it it's even easier to pick things back up. So with the keyboard layouts, like, and also though, I'd like to touch on something which I think most folks and myself and, and you probably were, this way, you know, you're worried, like, can I learn this weird key map? And, you know, the first week, maybe it's slow typing. You know, I remember doing Type Racer or those other typing games. Yeah. Like, Type Racer is <laughs> my favorite one because you get to race, you know, I don't, Johnny in the other part of the world or whoever it is. I don't know. Whoever's in the blue car or whatever the other colors are. You know? <laughs> if you haven't played Type Racer, you got to try it. But uh, the, the thing that kind of blew me away with all of this is even if you go kind of crazy custom you can you can be pretty adept at learning that within one to two weeks 
of like if you yeah. force yourself to do it. Now maybe you have to have your other keyboard sitting over on the shelf on the side, like you know, as an emergency yeah. situation if you really got to crank out that email or whatever it is. But if you or maybe you got to like jump on a pair programming session with yeah. someone. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> and there's, there's so many. I I wish that. I, I know it's scary. Like my coworkers think I'm crazy, especially when they see like a random hanging parenthesis because well, I accidentally tap shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I am. I am. <laughs> but you're chill. Yeah. You're you're crazy and cool. Okay. That's so nice right, of you. <laughs> um, <laughs> awkward. Awkward. No, moment. I don't think it's awkward at all. It's very nice of you. <laughs> I take it as a compliment. So. Yeah. Uh, no, I t- I totally agree with you though, and actually. Um, one thing to add to that too is um, I think a lot of people think that they're going to have to relearn. Like when you go to OrthoLinear, that it's going to, oh, it's going to take a few weeks. Like that's a big commitment. But um, when I was using monkey type personally is what I was oh, using. Oh, okay. Um, right. And I got, I got up to like 80, 90% of my typing speed back within like not even a weekend. Like literally I started on the Friday. So I'm like, I don't want to be helpless at work. So I started like <laughs> Friday afternoon, Friday evening. <laughs> and by Monday I was already back up to like, uh, 80, 90% of my regular typing speed. And now it, what took a few weeks was not type. When I say typing speed, I mean like, you know, the, the simple typing test, that's just words. Yeah. There's no symbols. There's no any of that. So it did honestly take like, you know, three or four weeks to get used to the custom like symbols layer stuff where you've moved all of your symbols around. So when you're programming and you're looking for your dollar signs and your brackets and all that, if you've moved those, it takes a little bit longer. Right. To get used to like the ortholinear letters was way faster than I expected that to come, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, I don't know. I, I thought it would take a lot longer too. And you get mm-hmm. pretty much right back up there. And now I think I can type just as fast on this as I could w- before I got into this whole world. Yeah. So, and, and that's another point that you make. That's really interesting. Is it, is you don't really switch to, it's like Vim, you know, some people are like, why would I use Vim? It's not going to make me, is it going to make you a ton faster? No, it's not really about like with the custom keyboard, or getting into something like Vim, it's not about making you faster. I think it's more about personalizing the workflow to be more comfortable for you. Oh yeah, you know, because as, let's be honest, as software developers, like I think sometimes I sit down and stare at a chunk of code and debug something, and I could hack on it for two hours and get five lines written. Oh you yeah, know? it's not about like characters per second at that point. It's it's about comfort and just feeling natural. Well, you know. You definitely. That's the whole point of this is that you can make it what you want. And I think some people get and ergonomic. some people get scared off maybe by soldering. Uh, Jesse said that he'll solder mm-hmm. the keyboards for you folks. So I'm sure <laughs> there you go. one of us probably would. I mean, it's, I like doing oh, that yeah. stuff. But the you can also you can also buy solderless kits and stuff too right. if you wanted to buy a yeah. But I think some folks also, which I understand, may be a little afraid to jump into the custom world because they're like, I don't, I just want to get my work done. I don't want to fiddle with this keyboard. Um, it's mm-hmm. not as much fiddling as we probably made it sound like. It's not so bad. Yeah. And I like, once you get, you can take it as far as you want, but you don't have to. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of things that I use every day now that when I'm on my laptop, I haven't necessarily done with software there or with carabiner elements or whatever it is. Like, for mm-hmm. example, if you're in a PHP class, and you're typing dollar sign this with the little arrow or just even those little arrows as PHP devs, we have weird syntax. I don't care 
if you guys are used to it and you don't think it's weird, but if you go look at other languages, a lot of them do not have those arrows for arrays or objects. And, you know, JavaScript devs mm-hmm. out there are like, yeah, why don't you guys just use a dot? But, <laughs> but PHP is what PHP is. And turns out if you have one key to type those arrow symbols as if they were one character, that for me has been what I feel like is just a mental performance boost because I don't have to mess that two key combo up at all anymore. Like I have it set for, so it's my thumb where my thumb naturally rests, that layer key and D and F will do those those arrows. Or, and then if I do the thumb key and S, it it will type this with that little single arrow ready to go. It just types it all out. You got fancy. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, you got, you can, does that make me a more efficient coder? Probably not because the code I write is probably garbage anyway. So <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> me yeah. too. Yeah. Um, no, it's true. It's true. And then, um, yeah, it's again, not about efficiency, but about comfort. And another thing, um, I'm bad at quoting people. This is not, this is not for me. This is again, credit to someone else, but I can't remember who, <laughs> but <laughs> Um, just the whole thing about switching between, you know, your custom keyboard and um, a standard layout. And this person had said, I think in a post or a video, um, don't optimize for wherever else you're going to be, maybe like 5% of the time. Like, for example, if you work remotely, you work from your home office or you, or you have your own cubicle, your own desk, right? You're there, let's say 98% of the time. Maybe every once in a while you go to a coffee shop or maybe you're sitting on the couch or maybe you know you're at the cottage or whatever you're doing, but um, optimize for where you are 90% of the time, right? Because people get scared about well, you know, well, oh, what about when I'm not in that custom environment? Again, you're not gonna you have muscle memory that you've yep. built up for like 25 years, and um, and then like Austin was saying, you know, download Carabiner Elements, and you can get some of the the same these same kind of mappings like HJKL arrows. You know, it may not be in your your keyboard firmware, but you can have them on a Mac still, just sitting on the couch. You know, um, so I don't know that that kind of stuck with me uh, when I that was something that I had seen or heard of, you know, before I jumped into the ortholinear keyboard world was optimized for where you spend most of your time. Yeah. Rather than being scared and optimizing for where you never really spend much time, like in the coffee shop. Like I love being able to sit and code in the coffee shop, but realistically, I only sit there, you know, once in a blue moon. Yeah. Same. And then I mean, to bring this conversation full circle. The whole point of this next build, the Nijuni that I'm building, is because I wanted a wireless. I wanted a quieter keyboard with quieter switches so that I could sit in a coffee shop and not bug people. But I also wanted a wireless keyboard that I wasn't lugging wires around. And so, again, there's like a practical reason why I'm like, okay, this next keyboard isn't just about cool keycaps, which it really is. (laughs) (laughs) Are you putting the. Uh, I wanted to be able to like. Are you putting the. I just wanted something quiet and wireless for the the coffee shop, you know? Well, you've got me at wireless because that almost. Having having to plug a keyboard in was a hard step for me to take because I was so into having no wires on my desk, and this is like a right. personal thing. It doesn't. It actually doesn't bother me at all now. Now I've got tons of wires because I've got like my audio interface with wires, and I have a stream deck on here, and all sorts of. There's wires everywhere now. So I went from no wires yeah. ever being the rule to wires are rule my life now. But yeah, but wires at your desk is one thing. But then if you decide you want to go on, go to the couch or the coffee yeah, shop, yeah, that's different. It's 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 two two different conversations. But so. I want to do. A, I'm gonna I'm gonna build basically the same keyboard that Jesse's building to try it as well. But then I'll I'll probably spider into another wireless build eventually, 
And I'm looking at the time here nice. on this podcast, and I can't believe we've been talking about keyboard. I can believe it, but I thought we'd be talking about keyboards for 15 minutes, but here we are. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> incredible. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get we'll get nerdy, whether it's drums or uh, <laughs> editor stuff or language wars or I don't oh know. oh yeah, it's we'll, we'll keep it nerdy. Um, yeah, you you asked me yesterday when we were doing some audio tests. I, unless okay, let me ask: Is there anything else that we need to cover keyboard wise? We've given the listener quite the overview of an overwhelming amount of mechanical keyboard <laughs> stuff. No, I think, yeah, that's, we just, we just bombarded some people. With we'll try, stuff, so. try it out there folks for the two listeners out there. Uh, I believe they're named Carl and Mr. Claremont. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you, yeah, it's not it, yeah, Carl, Mr. Claremont. It's not for everybody, but you but might like it. It might be, it might be for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And also I want to say if anyone has any questions about this keyboard stuff, ever reach out to me or I, I can't speak for Jesse, but reach out to me on Twitter. Happy to oh, yeah. tell you the little yeah, you can, that I know. Yeah. If, yeah, we, we like nerding out about this stuff. So if you have questions, I'm sure we'd, we'd be glad to point you, you know, point you in a direction. So, so I'm going to, before we end this episode, I would like to spider into one other topic, which I think can be short. And if it starts getting long, we'll cut it off anyway. So uh, if you're good with that, Jesse. Yeah, Okay. let's do it. Yesterday when we were doing audio tests, you asked me, is there a notable bug that you recall in your career that has made it to production that you've done? <laughs> yes. Right? Because So I asked Jesse if he remembers what his first bug was, which I can tell you mine. Mr. Claremont was the one who helped me solve this, by the way. Thank you. Once again, Mr. Claremont. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Claremont. Uh, The syntax, there was no syntax highlighting in Windows Notepad. So how was I supposed to see this? And also I was in sixth grade and it was probably still learning to spell things. I don't know. I remember I could not get, now back, that I could not, I think I, I think I was learning CSS it could have been when HTML, I don't know if it still even has these attributes, like HTML4 or something, or I think used to have attributes. So you could specify like the background on a div as a property. Like instead of class equals, it was background equals. Right, right. I couldn't figure out, like I thought I had poured over the code forever. I'm just going to tell you, this was my first bug for sure. I rem- I'll always remember this because... I couldn't get the background color to change on my, like the body tag or whatever. I don't remember what tag it was at this point. I just remember I couldn't figure this out. I had thought I had tried everything and I made it a point to not copy and paste from the tutorials so that I could really learn it. I had hand typed out my whole HTML document and notepad and everything was working except for the background color. I couldn't figure it out. Mr. Claremont pointed out, he's like, take a look at the word background. Is that how you spell it? And I had it spelled B-A-C-K-R-O-U-N-D. Well, there's a G in there, it turns out. And so I learned two things that day. That's how you spell background. And background <laughs> with the G, a hard G. And then, <laughs> yeah, so that, silly, but that was my first ever bug. That's awesome. And that, that's, that's actually really funny because I was just talking to a, a relative. We had a family reunion the other day. And he was just asking like, you know, so what do you do? Oh, software developer. Well, you know, it must be weird. Like, you know, it must be a lot of math and a lot of numbers <laughs> and like a totally different language. And I'm like, 
there's a lot of English words in our code. You know, if you were to read yeah. through our code, I, I understand you wouldn't understand the syntax, but you would, you may understand like what, what this chunk of the code is doing, you know, um, just by reading the English mixed in with it. But yeah, the word background. It's a good oh one. man. Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Claremont for, for pointing yeah. that out to me. I'll never forget it. I was like, oh, that's what, that's this is, you got to actually reread your code, take a step back. And yeah, that was yeah. young me learned a big lesson that day. So nice. So have you, so Jesse turned the question sort of around on me and asked me about bugs in production. Uh, but now I'm putting yes. you on the spot since I just told my story impromptu there. Do you have any notable, so yeah. maybe first bug or funny bugs in production? Got a story for us here. So to, yeah, to answer your question, first bug, I can't, honestly, I racked my brain trying to remember, but I can't. Um, I mentioned it briefly on the last episode, but I was in a, my mom put me in like an HTML course for kids in like grade seven in at Conestoga College. And, you know, it just probably syntax bugs that, you know, teachers walking around the computer lab helping people. There's probably something there. Um, I remember fighting a lot with, you know, when I first got into like Flash and ActionScript, I wasn't a hardcore ActionScript developer, but banging my head on on that kind of stuff, you know, buying a book at Chapters, Indigo mm. Books, trying to figure it all out. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, or like, you know, just when you're when when I was first learning um, how to connect a database to a PHP site, um, yeah, just you know, learning SQL, how the, the the language and the syntax is so different than you know PHP and HTML. Like, it's all new to me. At the right. Time. So. Like one little character can throw you off. Um, so yeah, I don't really remember my first bug, but uh, as far as my worst bug in production um, was at my last job, and Laravel has these um, regex regex. <laughs> it comes up again. <laughs> it comes up again. Uh, you know the the routes where you can define a custom pattern for a route right. segment. And I think in the docs, they warn about it and they may have some fail safes. I don't know, but you can't just throw a dot star into there. And the pattern that I had in there um, bit me. Oh, and, no. Um, we had no, nobody actually, uh, like it, it wasn't that like a real user found this, um, but we had a security audit on our app that we were working on. And they were able to do the path traversal thing back to the env file and get the database credentials. So that was a big scary. One. And that was, yeah, that was me. So it was oh, like no. <laughs> the, 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 the big, there was, a, there was a list of things in the security audit at the time, a short list. And uh, the big bad one was, was my <laughs> custom regular, oh. <laughs> regular expression route. So naturally you were probably very embarrassed. You're like, oh no, that was me. And like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, em embarrassed, but it makes a good story. Yeah. It, it, didn't, it didn't end up hurting anybody because we caught it in a security audit. That's what they're well, for. So I can tell you about... I'm thankful about that. <laughs> I can tell you about mine that my coworkers still make fun of me for, and it's very short. Um, it involves the Laravel die and dump function, DD, right? So mm. for folks out there who may not be Laravel developers, this function takes whatever you give to it. It's a debugging function. It takes whatever is a little helper function. It takes whatever you give to it, and it stops the program's execution and puts that on the screen so you can see where, you know, makes the code stop at that point. So, uh, and all, all of you Laravel guys are like, yeah, we know, <laughs> but, but <laughs> just in case. So what I did was debugging something in an app. I put in um, 
DD, and then I put a string in it that said WTF, and that's it, right? I was just trying to make nice. sure that it got here because I don't remember what we were even debugging at this point, but um, I thought I fixed the bug, and so it, it worked. We have a pretty extravagant, like, or maybe it's not that extravagant. We'll talk about my work app on another episode, but or apps, rather. It's kind of a strange setup, but we have continuous deployment sort of set up. So if you put something up and the tests pass, it just, it deploys. And I think I may, I think we had like a twofold thing where we had some tests passing that shouldn't have passed in that case. And anyway, I had DDWTF in there and I deployed it to the production site. And then our office staff were getting calls saying, Oh no! Because like, the whole website <laughs> then didn't work, right? So, yeah. so then I'm like, "Oh, yikes! That got deployed!" Like, <laughs> so then I'm frantically, you know, trying to just remove this one line of code that should have never made it up there anyway. And now nice. my coworkers um, will just write DDWTF anytime I mess something else up. Uh, so it's become a meme, kind of <laughs> nice. at our work here. And thanks, guys. Uh, that's it. That's my nice. probably my worst bug. Besides deleting production databases in the middle of the day, which has also happened, um, I really, nice. really do know what I'm doing. I think, but sometimes it, you know, sometimes you are glad you have backups. We'll put it that way. Yeah, we're all we're all just hacks <laughs> some yeah. days. So yeah, that'll be a running theme on the podcast. I'm sure. Yeah, man. Well, hey. This is a good one. Yeah, fun episode, fun episode. I look forward to the next one that we'll record right now. I'm just kidding. Jesse has things to do. Uh, <laughs> but soon, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one, folks. Thank you. Sounds good. Have a good day. Bye.